Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. As I was praying about this morning, there was a scripture that came to me, so I'm just going to read it. Three verses in Hebrews 12, talking about strengthening our spirit. In verse 12, it says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight the paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue, pursue peace with all people and holiness without no one, without which no one will see the Lord. So if you want to stand, let's pray. Jesus, I just ask that you soften our hearts this morning to pursue holiness. As we worship and as we just proclaim that you are holy and that you are worthy, that we ourselves can be transformed into more of Jesus. That we would come to worship this morning and proclaim your worthiness and exalt you high and you are holy, O oh Lord. Let us partner with the angels in heaven Jesus, we are here for you this morning. Help us lay down what's going on in our lives and just worship you with our whole hearts because beyond everything, you are God and you are good and you are holy. So let us worship you this morning, Jesus. We thank you. We come, we come with a grateful heart. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Lord, today we just acknowledge all the earth will shout your... And today, God, we are gathering in this one small corner of the earth as ones who have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We thank you for that today, Father, that you have transferred us from one kingdom into another. We are saints of the light inheriting a kingdom of glory beyond what we can fathom or comprehend even now, God. And Lord, I thank you for the multitudes all across the nations whom you have called into this kingdom. And right, I, just during worship, the thing that the Lord was putting on my heart was the nations. Guys, we are part of such a big kingdom. We have no idea how big the kingdom of light is. I just want to take a moment to lift up our voices and bless the body of Christ across the nations with your own voice. I'm going to say nations. Begin speaking out nations because we are part of a really, really, really big body all across the nations. And there's not one nation on earth that at the end when we stand before him, they're going to be able to say, well, God, you didn't do enough in my nation. Every nation is going to come before the throne of God broken chains in their hands saying what the lamb did was sufficient it was sufficient to break through the darkness in my nation it was sufficient 
So right now, God, you can lift up your voices. You can pray in the spirit, just name nations. God, today, we bless the body of Christ in the nations. We thank you for believers in Canada, in Nicaragua, in Belize, in Colombia, Argentina, Paraguay. God, Brazil, we thank you for those in the Horn of Africa, Niger, the Congo, Maui, God. We thank you for the islands, God, the far coasts of the earth. We thank you for the body in Russia, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Father. We thank you for the body in Europe, France, and Poland, and Germany, Lithuania, Estonia, God, for the Netherlands, God, for Australia and New Zealand, for Madagascar, God. There is not one nation on earth that your kingdom does not reach. So right now, God, we speak strength to the body and the nations. God, we ask even now for the persecuted church, those suffering, God, we ask, give them strength, give them boldness, give them courage, God. Release the Holy Spirit, Father, all across the nations. Strengthen your body today, Father. Strengthen your body today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, oh God. In Jesus' name. King of the nations, King of kings, Lord of lords. King of every king, God. Every king will bow before your throne one day and acknowledge you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. We thank you and give you glory for that today, Father. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you all for coming. It is always a privilege to gather with the saints. And what an awesome reminder from Julianne this morning. The body is so much larger than us. The body is larger than us, and that, that, that's something that we need to keep in the forefront of our mind. We can often be overwhelmed with the challenges of our personal lives and the, the things that we don't understand, the, the pressures, but the global body is, is really Christ's bride. Jesus desires an inheritance from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. So as we gather, there's always, always freedom for our hearts to be connected to that and for us to take a step back and see, like, God, you are bigger than this. You're bigger than us, God, and we welcome you to move in the broader body. So I'm going to open again in prayer. So Lord, we, God, we thank you for the bigger body, Lord. We pray, Father, that all across this city and the region, God, we pray that you would release power upon your word. God, we believe even now, 2,000 years, Lord, after your death and resurrection, God, that your word has power to heal, to deliver, to restore to uplift, to correct, Lord, to give discernment. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word and your spirit. God, we pray that it would be present and active in our midst today and all throughout this region. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be, if you remember, maybe some of you were here, two months ago I spoke and I was talking about how God speaks and how we learn to discern his voice. How many of you remember that? So we talked about um, how, how do we learn to discern his voice? And that Sunday, the lights broke, and I was giving that analogy um, of how we need to be in tune to the right command from God. 
in order for us to hear, to listen, and to obey that command from the Lord. So I'm going to be staying um, in that vein, but also going to give another element to it that I did not cover um, last time. So as I said two months ago, that we need to take a step back and ask the question, why do we even need or want to hear God's voice? Right? Most people on the planet, they don't necessarily care to hear God's voice. If they heard it, what would they do? I don't know. Right? So the question of why, why do we even want to hear? Why, why, why do we want to be in tune to what God is saying? So I spoke and said that we, we seek to hear God because we are created for intimacy, right? So obviously this, this could be an enigma to someone who, who doesn't know God of like, what do you mean? This, so this invisible God, and yet somehow I'm supposed to be intimate with God. I'm supposed to know him. He's supposed to know me. We're supposed to care about what's on each other's hearts. But that's true. God created us for intimacy. He created us to, to know him and to be known by him. Many, many years ago, God impressed on my heart that God wants to, he wants to experience us. Have you ever thought about that? So intellectually, we know that God knows the future. He knows the past. He lives outside of time. He can see it all. He knows every nuance of every possible issue. But we also know that experience is different than intellectual knowledge, yes? So have you ever thought that God himself, the creator of, of heaven and earth, the preeminent, all-knowing God, desires to experience you? Like, what does that mean? God wants to experience you. In order for God to experience me, I have to, be, I have to position myself and say, here I am, God. In order for him to experience me, in order for him to, 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 to uh, tangibly, however you'd say that, tangibly feel, experience that, that real reality of not just foreknowledge, but present experience, for God to experience me, I have to enter into that space and say, God, speak, I'm listening. God, move, I'm here. Touch my heart, touch my emotions. It, it, it give me insight, it give me impressions, give me burdens, awaken me so that I can know you and you can know me. So we seek to hear because we're created for that. We're created for more than just understanding the Bible, though if you know me, I definitely have a burden to understand the Bible and to preach it faithfully. But we, so we seek to hear God's voice so that we can respond, right? We want to be able to respond in obedience. If you hear God's voice every day, let's just uh, hypothetical, if you heard God clearly every day and you did nothing, you didn't, re you didn't obey, you didn't respond, do you think that would be a good thing? Do you think your future would be secure in his love? 
right? So we want to be able to respond in obedience. We're created to be led by God and to follow his commands, right? The Bible says Christ is the head of the church, right? So, so he is the head. So we want to be able to hear and receive from him. And we also seek to hear God speak so that we can receive help and direction. We need help and direction. How many of you have your future 100% planned? There will be no, no issues, no errors, no pressures. Nothing will come out of left field. As strong as we want to be, as confident as we want to be in who we are and what we're doing and what we're about, we can't predict the future. So we need, we need to hear God. We need to understand His voice so that we can receive help and direction. And it's not just help and direction in the sense of this is where to go, walk. We need that. But it's also help and direction emotionally. How many, how many of you need God's emotional help? When the pressures of life are, are bearing down on you, when life is difficult, when there's misunderstandings and, and when there's personality conflicts, we need God's help to navigate that. We need God's help. We can know intellectually it's healthy to forgive. But we need God's help to actually walk it out, to put boots on the ground and say, in that place of trembling, in that place of pressure, know what to do and how to walk it out. Right? So we, we know the Bible says that the grace of God instructs us to deny ungodliness. Right? The grace of God, the Bible says the grace of God, it instructs us to deny ungodliness. So the grace of God is not just a feeling, right? We need, the, we, we need the feeling. We need the feeling of being forgiven. We need the feeling of the power of repentance. When we repent, we feel like God lift off the burden, lift off the, the accusations or, the, or the, that self-guilt and shame. Through repentance, we can have that lift off. We need the feeling. But the grace of God is not just the feeling of being forgiven. The grace of God, it says it instructs us. The grace of God instructs us. So there's instruction. There's actual tangible, there's something from God that needs to be said. It needs to be perceived, understood, and heard, right? We need to be able to hear the instruction understand the instruction, be empowered by the instruction so that we can take the biblical truth and actually say, okay, God, you say that this is how to live. You say to be forgiving. You say to be gentle and kind. You say to bless my enemies. I don't know how to do that. How many of you have experienced that in your life? Like there's the theory in theory you should do X and this should be the result. But how many of you know, in the, in the practical walking it out, the theory seems clear until you go to put your hands on it. And then you start to put your hands on it. You start to navigate the negative emotions of your heart and suddenly the theory is Greek. Right? How many of you have you've maybe read a marriage book and you're like, I believe, I believe the principles. This is amazing. I believe the truth. This is glorious. My future is bright. I will never have conflict with my wife again. But then when you go to put it in practice, when you go to get your hands on it, 
then it's like, whoa, I have no clue what to do. I, I, I no comprendo. I, I don't understand. The, the, there, there's a breakdown between, between, the, between the truth and then how to walk it out practically. So when we're talking about learning to discern God's voice, we're talking about more than just God speak to me and give me an answer to my question or speak to me and give me and, and give me clarity on, on, on transition or on where to get my income or on, um, you know, whatever. The, the, those things we need. But when we're hearing God's voice, it's, it, there's a bi- it's a bigger topic than that. So I spoke a couple months ago on how Christianity is both historic and corporate. Christianity is historic and corporate. It is a faith passed down. So we're not just the Christian church, the spirit-filled church in Boonville, Indiana. We, we have received a faith that men and women have died for. We've received a faith that, that martyrs have shed their blood for. We've received a faith that men and women have suffered for so that we could be here today. So it's a faith that's corporate and a faith passed down. And that needs to be in our understanding as we're we're talking about hearing God speak. So personal passion needs to be mixed with corporate teaching and instruction in in order not to be led astray by our own misguided ideas that sometimes seem fresh. How many of you know that? As we're seeking to hear God speak, sometimes in that place of zeal, we can think that we've heard something that it doesn't line up with the corporate and historic faith that we're, that we're a part of. So in humility, we need to be willing to be corrected. We need to be willing to be taught more accurately. I've, I've shared this verse before, Acts 18, 24 through 26. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus He was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. He was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. He began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately." Do, do, do you see the tension? On the one hand, in the beginning of the verse, it's saying he's, he's fervent in spirit. He's mighty in the scriptures. He's been instructed. He was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. So part of his, part of his belief system was right. And yet he needed to be taken aside to be taught more accurately. So when we're, when we're talking about Christianity being corporate and being historic, we're talking about more than just personal passion, more than just personal passion where I read this and I, and I seek to understand it and I, and I think I understand it and then I, and then I run and release it. That, that's, that's good, but I also need to be anchored in a historic and a corporate faith. Otherwise, my, my, my attempts at, at seeking and reading and understanding, there's going to be flaws. There's going to be errors in my, in my thinking and in my discernment. Right? We, we talked about that two months ago, that, that discernment is not just personal, it's corporate. We need corporate discernment. In other words, I need the, the, the gifts and the anointing and the ministry of more than just me. 
to understand the scriptures, to, to, to understand it more accurately. And also two months ago, I spoke on the danger of pursuing God's voice as novelty. The danger of pursuing God's voice as novelty. This is, this is something that is always going to be a potential ditch, right, on the side of the road. The, the, this idea that, that God is speaking things that are so new that have never been spoken in the body of Christ historically, ever. And if we're, if, if we're leaning in and we're wanting to, to hear something new and novel, something unique that's never been spoken, never been said, never been taught, then there's, there, there's that, that's, on the one hand, is God capable of releasing something new? Yes. On the other hand, there's, that, there's a real tension there because many false doctrines and many false religions are birthed out of that space of seeking the novelty, of seeking, like, give me, like, tickle my ears, teach me, like, wow me with something that I've never heard before. So our faith being historic and corporate is key to anchoring the charismatic church and saying, God, I want to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice, but I need to hear it accurately so that I'm not stepping outside the boundary of, of what you have said is authentic, historic Christianity. So we need to be careful not to seek the novel. We want to hear God speak but we want him to expound and awaken this. We want God to take these words and make them burn in our hearts. We want these words to be the fire that shut up in our bones. I don't ever want to seek the excitement of hearing something so new and so fresh from God that I can't find it preached or taught by historic pillars of Christianity. Everything we believe and teach should be easily proven, exegetically clear, and anchored in historic Christianity. If we're primarily wanting to be wowed, if I mean, if we're wanting that, like, Drop the joke that's never been spoken before, right? If, if we're wanting that to stay on that cutting edge of release something that I've never heard because if you speak a message that I've heard before, it's boring, then we can fall into that. So in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here Jesus is speaking, sending people out to multiply the faith. He's saying, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he says, teach them to observe all that I commanded you. So this historic Christian faith is full of teaching. Right? It's full of an actual historic faith passed down that has real substance to it. it. There's actually a message that needs to be understood and obeyed. Teach them to observe. And then in Jude 3, 
It says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt necessary to write to you appealing, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. So here he's saying he was writing about common salvation. In other words, there is a message that should transcend the boundary lines of denominations. There is a faith that should be so clear and so foundational that it's received corporately by all. And it says he's, appe- he's a- 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 appealing that we contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. What does it mean to contend for the faith? And th- think about this in, the, in, in light of the topic that I'm talking about. I'm talking about discerning God's voice, hearing his voice, perceiving, understanding, growing in that discernment of God's voice. And here it says, contend for the faith, which was once for all handed down. In other words, the faith was full. The faith was, it was something that could be handed down. It was something that could be understood. It was something that could be taught. It was something that could be imparted, that the the, the life of that faith would touch our hearts and awaken us, make us alive. So it's a faith handed down but yet we're supposed to contend earnestly for it. So I want to talk about hearing God's voice in a bigger sense than just what I talked about two months ago. This threefold labor, I'm not saying there's not other folds, this is just what is before my heart right now, this labor of ministry. So the labor of prayer. How many of you know that prophetic revelation, hearing God's voice, it feeds and fuels and sparks the labor of prayer? So oftentimes when we're talking about hearing God's voice, we want to know, okay, how does God speak? How do I, how do I, like, what's going, in, what's going through your mind? What's going through your emotions? Like, how do I navigate that? Like, teach me how to hear and, and understand and then act. And oftentimes, we stay in the realm of, like, personal direction. We stay in the realm of, like, God, speak to me so that I have a vibrant relationship with you. We stay in the realm of personal direction, like, I need to hear you, God. And then we also dip our toe in the reality of, like, prophecy and um, words of knowledge. Like, we want to hear God so that we can do those things. But how many of you know hearing God is a bigger topic than that? Hearing God is not just the prophetic word. Hearing God is not just the personal direction for your finances or for your life. Hearing God also is like it is the it is the spark and it is the fuel for actual body ministry. Because if if I am to embrace the call to pray, then hearing God's voice 
is what will actually fuel me and spark me into that space. How many of you know you pray longer, you pray with more passion, you pray with more, with more uh, tenacity, with more longevity when you've heard God speak to you? And I want to give clarity to that. By hearing God speak, sometimes that is like we, we, we feel that God has spoken. Uh, he, he's given us the name of an individual or a situation or something that's, that, that we perceive Him speaking to us, and we, we feel the burden of it. That, that burden of the Lord, that God touching the emotions, is what helps fuel our engagement in something beyond just our little world. In order, like, because Scott's been teaching about this. He's been teaching about the gifts of the Spirit, right? Been teaching about this corporate body ministry. In order for us to step into that corporate body ministry, I've got to figure out this thing of hearing him. And not just hearing him, but hearing him unto something outside of myself. Hearing him for something other than my little world. So I, when I hear and I perceive God's voice, it fuels, it can fuel and spark the labor of prayer, which is something bigger than me. So Colossians 4.12, it says, Epaphras, who was one of your number, a bondslave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. So this is a, this is Epaphras, always laboring earnestly for someone other than himself. This was the summary statement over Epaphras's life. It's like you know when you go to introduce someone to someone else, you know you might give them a like a one line. This is who this person is. This is you know who they are, how I know them, where they work, whatever. Like this was that description. Epaphras. Is the one is one who cont- who who labors earnestly in prayer for others, that they may stand perfect, fully assured in the will of God. In order for him to enter into that ministry for more than a few minutes, we need to be able to hear God. We need to be able to to allow God to touch our emotions and spark a burden and and, and give us that grace to enter into it. And then Galatians 4.19, it says, My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. This is Paul. My children with whom I am again in labor. Feel that. He's again in labor. Does that sound easy? Does that sound light and fluffy? He's again in labor. In other words, he's already been in labor. He, like, I mean, it's like, it, 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 it's like I, I'm not a woman, but, you know, halfway birthing a child. And then somehow you got to start over. He's again in labor until Christ is formed in you. In other words, it's again, it's external. It's outside of himself. He's laboring so that Christ be formed not in him, but in others. 
and he's again in labor. So he's, he's perpetually in that state. And he couldn't do that without learning to discern God's voice for the actual manifestation of ministry outside of himself. And there's this other labor, so the labor of prayer. And there's another labor, the labor of right doctrine. How many of you know that sometimes prophetic revelation is to feed, fuel, and spark the labor of doctrine and teaching? Often when we think about teaching, we think about like, okay, that's the, the ministry that can take place without the passion of preaching, right? We can just kind of be calm, go line upon line, talk about the scriptures. But when we're talking about learning to discern his voice, it is more key to the labor and the ministry of doctrine and teaching than we can generally understand. There's, there's, there's more to it than that. So I have observed that among the gifts in the offices, the anointing of teaching is often seen as less anointed and less saturated with God, God's activity than the anointing of prophecy, words of knowledge, even the passion of preaching. But why do we do that? The gifting and the call, the labor, the labor of navigating the waters of right belief and, instru- and in giving that instruction, that needs to be just as saturated with the discernment of God's voice and with a burden of serving him, then it, it, as it, 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 the, 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 there's just as much of a burden that needs to be in that as in the more exciting ministries. So I'm going to give various phrases from Scripture just to save time. All of these I could give a reference for. But in the word, we see that we are to be, the church is to be the pillar and support of the truth. The church is to be the pillar and the support of the truth. In other words, the truth has to be discerned in order for the church to be the pillar of it. In other words, I need to be able to hear God speak. I need to be able to discern his voice. I need to be able to wade through the topics of who God is. And then we also see phrases like, we are to be constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine. Constantly nourished on the words of the faith and on the sound doctrine. Most of these phrases are coming from First and Second Timothy, if you're, if you're curious. Constantly nourished on the words of the faith and on the sound doctrine. How many of you know sound doctrine nourishes you? How many of you know right belief is, creates nourishment for our soul? It, it, it gives us fuel to persevere 
And then we also see doctrine spoken of negatively when we see phrases like this, deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. On the one hand, we have doctrine that, that, that literally washes over you, sound doctrine that washes over you. And then on the other side, we have doctrine of demons. In other words, you can't get away from the issue of doctrine. You can't get away from it. If you ignore correct doctrine, if you're like, I don't want to be taught, I'm not a, I, I, I don't, that's not me. Like, like, just give me the, just give me exhortations. Just, just give me some cool, you know, whatever. The error in not wanting or not, or not wanting to be fed by correct doctrine is the error of eventually I may accidentally, wrongly, receive and embrace a doctrine of a demon. Right? So, in other words, I can't escape the reality of doctrine. I'm going to have belief systems. You are going to have belief systems. You are going to have things that you emotionally hold to, some of them can be right and some of them can be wrong. So there's no way to escape the reality of, of right or wrong belief. And then we also see this phrase, if anyone advocates a different doctrine. That's another phrase that shows up in, the, in First and Second Timothy. If anyone advocates a different doctrine. And then we also see the phrase, whatever, whatever else... They're talking about a list of various sins. It says, whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. In other words, there's a whole world of lifestyle and practice that I can live my whole life in, and it's contrary to sound teaching. But in order to know that, in order to know and to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong, I have to be willing to be taught, and I have to be willing to, to have my ears be open. I have to be willing to discern to hear God's voice so that God can teach me. And then we also see this phrase, those who perish because they did not receive a love of the truth. Those who perish because they didn't receive a love of the truth. This verse has always stuck out to me. It's talking about people falling away. It's talking about this end-time pressure. And it's saying there will be those who fall away because they didn't love the truth. It doesn't say they, they fell away because they didn't evangelize enough. It doesn't say they, didn't, they, they, they fall away because they didn't spend enough hours in worship. Obviously, those things are important. But... The, the, this verse says that they didn't love the truth. In other words, truth really matters. Truth really matters. And then 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 13, it says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example to, of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and teaching. Public reading of Scripture, 
exhortation, and teaching. It's scripture that anchors the right use of exhortation and teaching. How many of you know you, you could go to a host of places or, and hear someone speak? They can, they can release an exhortation to you, but if that exhortation isn't anchored in Scripture, then it could lead you astray. So it's Scripture. It says a public reading of Scripture and exhortation and teaching. So we need all of it. It's Scripture that anchors both of those ministries, teaching and preaching. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, it says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ear from the truth and will turn aside to myth. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I mean, I, I could spend a while just on this verse, but here it says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Repro reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. It says, preach the word, and yet within that category of preaching, there is sometimes reproof, rebuke, exhortation, and in all of that, what needs to be done in patience and instruction. How many of you know we need instruction? I can't just be slapped across the face and say, you know, you don't understand that. In order for me to be led by God, I have to allow him to give me instruction. And in order for me to lead anyone else, I have to be able to do that with patience and instruction. But then at the end, it says, be sober, be sober in all things, endure hardship. Have you ever put the two together? Enduring hardship is in the context of this labor of preaching that includes reproof, rebuke, exhortation that, it, that needs patience and instruction. In other words, it's not so simple as just giving clarity on the word and then walking away. The labor, it actually says, endure hardship. And then Paul says, again, I'm in labor. In other words, there's great, it, it takes great effort emotionally and spiritually and physically to be in that labor of the word that is the ministry, it is the ministry of right doctrine. There is a place of anointed labor in the Word that leads to a right doctrine that then feeds your soul and protects you from the doctrine of demons. It protects you 
from being led astray. And then there's a third labor, the labor of discipline, or sorry, discipleship, transformation. I'm just throwing multiple words in here because it seems right. The labor of discipleship, transformation, growth, maturity, and love. And this labor also, we need prophetic revelation to feed, fuel, and spark discipleship and through faith put into practice the exhortation and the teaching that's taken place. So we have this, this labor of intercession, this labor of prayer that we need to be able to discern God's voice in order to engage in that. And then we have this labor of, of teaching and right doctrine. Because without the truth, we end up in lies. Without the truth, we end up in error. So we have this labor of the word, labor of the word, labor of right doctrine, labor of, of, of discerning and hearing and releasing and understanding. And then we have this labor of taking that message that's been tried and purified and, and, and been through the fire, and we take that message and we... And we want this message not to be, we want it to be alive. Yes? Like the truth without the living truth is just something that we intellectually agree with. So we need that truth to be birthed alive in us in, the, in this ministry of discipleship, this ministry of transformation, of growth, of maturity, of love. So it's that ministry of the word that is then fleshed out here, like among us, not just here from the pulpit, but out out there. So we need discernment to be able to hear God speak because that is what sparks and inspires and fuels the body ministry that we need, right? So the body ministering to the body So James 1.23, it says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at, at his natural face in a mirror. Once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. So the labor of prayer and then the labor in the word still hasn't reached its full fruitfulness until we take that and we learn how to put our hands on it and flesh it out in real life. And in order to do that, we need to be able to hear God. We need to be able to have God bring the Word alive in us. When the pressure hits, I need God's help. When the pressure hits, I need God's help to take the theory of trusting him into the real life of, Lord, yikes, my life is taking a turn. In the, in the real practical life, there has to be the transition. There has to be the, the, the leap Right? 
It's, it's, and, and some of that leap is instruction. Some of that leap is like, just teach me. Like, I don't know how. I know the theory, but I, 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 I've, you know, I've watched the baseball game, but I get out on the field. It's like, where do I go? Which, which direction do I face? Right? So there has to be that transition between the theory, even if it's right theory, like the, the, the truth, the right truth, it, there has to be that transition into fleshing it out in real life, which is harder. But here we see in 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 16, it says, do not, do, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. It doesn't say don't neglect receiving the spiritual gift that's in someone else. It says, don't neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. And then it says in verse 15, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be made evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do, this will ensure salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. So do not, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. And then it says, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. Are you telling me that I can't just go up, have someone lay hands on me, prophesy over me, speak a word of life, impart a spiritual gift. You're telling me I can't just have that happen and then boom, voila. Someone prophesied over me that I'm going to receive greater gift of the words of knowledge and here I am. No labor, no instruction, no practice. Here I am the mighty man of God. And every word that comes through my head is, is the Lord. Right? That's, that's not what it says. It says Paul laid hands on him. He imparted a spiritual gift. And then it's, and, and then it's saying, don't neglect it. And then take pains. Like, what does that mean? Take pains. Be absorbed in. Have you ever been absorbed in the spiritual gift that God has given you? Have you ever taken pains with it? In other words, embraced the labor and the effort of, of fleshing it out. Because it's one thing to have someone lay hands on you and say whatever they're going to say. It's another thing to, to, to say, okay, how do I do that? How do I walk it out? I need instruction, and I need the, 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 the impartation of grace to, to, to labor in it. And then it says, so that your progress will be evident to all. In other words, if God has given you a gift, then we are to nurture that gift, labor in that gift, be absorbed in the, in the, the process of of fleshing out that gift so that it will be evident to everybody. Because the body isn't just me or Scott or Jim. The body is us. 
So when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit being, being released and manifested, there's no way around it. We have to embrace this reality of even Timothy had to do this. He had to take pains. He was young. It also says he was young in that verse, if you, if you caught that. So here he is. He's young. He's received impartation from his leader, Paul, and now he has to do the labor of fleshing it out, of maturing it, so that it says, as you do this, as you persevere, you will ensure salvation for yourself and those who hear you. How important is that? How important is it for, for him to, ta- to take pains, to labor? Paul says, I'm in labor again. How important is that labor? How important is that God teach me how to flesh this out? So it's not just theory, but it's actual practice. It's, very, it's, it's so important that in the second Timothy, 1, 6 through 7, different letter, Paul again says, for this reason I remind you, Timothy, to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Whoa. Different letter. Paul again is, is, is reaching out to this young minister, Timothy, and he's saying, kindle afresh the gift of God. Praise God you received a gift. Now you've got to kindle it afresh. And then it says, God has given you a spirit. He's not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power. We like that. Power, God, release the power. Of love and discipline. It's like we just, forget the last two. Give me the power. In order for him to kindle afresh the gift of God and walk it out in maturity, he doesn't just need power. He needs love and discipline. Love and discipline. How many of you know navigating the waters, fleshing out, right? It's one thing to say, God, I trust you. It's another thing for pressure to come on our life. And then it's like, God, where are you? All right. And aside, this week, I, I, was, I, I labored a lot in my Trinity class, uh, working on the notes, reading, studying, listening, prepping for that class. I finished the notes for Wednesday's class, Wednesday at 4. I hadn't touched t- today's class, or, well, the, this sermon, right? So Wednesday at 4. Thursday shows up. I come into my office. I'm like, Lord, I need clarity for Sunday. Speak. What did I hear? Nothing. God, hello. I need clarity for Sunday. Speak to me. What did I hear? Nothing. I went about my business. I needed to edit some, uh, edit the other classes and get them up on podcast and get Jim's sermon on podcast. So I. I did, the, I did the labor of other things I needed to do. I returned to that space. God, I need to hear a word for Sunday. Speak. What did I hear? 
Nothing. I came down here into an empty sanctuary. I'm pacing around. I'm praying in the Spirit. What did I hear? Nothing. I go up to my office. I open the Word. I read chapters and chapters of the Word. What did I hear? Nothing. I go home on Thursday, not having a clue what I'm preaching on Sunday. I come into work Friday. Same routine. There's some things I needed to do. Then I'm opening my Bible. I'm reading chapters and chapters in the Word. I'm praying. I'm worshiping, putting on worship. I'm like, okay. You know, the Old Testament talks about like, okay, a minstrel's got to come for the anointing. I'm like, I forgot that yesterday. So I'm turning on worship. Lord, anointing. Bring the anointing. What did I hear? Almost nothing. Okay, better. We're getting there. My heart began to be stirred over these verses in First and Second Timothy. I knew, I, I thought I knew that I wanted to speak this message about hearing God's voice. Again, f- flesh it out more. But I didn't know where to take it. So I feel, and I, I had to continue working on my notes yesterday. I, I, I mowed the lawn, and then I'm like, okay, I need to shut myself in my office for a couple hours and figure this out. I was prepared to come up here with no notes. I was prepared to come up here and not have a clue what to say. There was something in my heart that settled and was like, okay, God, if you're choosing to not speak yet, then maybe you're just stretching me. Maybe you're teaching. I mean, like, it's on point. It's like the very thing I'm talking about, discerning God's voice for the, something outside of myself, the external ministry. God, like, purposefully decided to be like, okay, I'm not going to talk to you until absolutely necessary to begin to put, put the pieces together and awaken my heart for something to release. That is an aspect of hearing God's voice. We do not have God on tap. God is not a genie in a bottle. When we're talking about seeking His voice and seeking that spark of life to awaken something in us, sometimes we legitimately have to wait beyond what's comfortable. We oftentimes have to wait beyond what to, for time that's beyond what's comfortable. And that will, that will feed into next Sunday, where I'll be talking about that in more depth. But here we have Kindle afresh, the gift of God. It takes effort. So if we are going to be a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit, believes in the ministry of the body beyond, beyond just from the pulpit and beyond just the theory, then that's going to take effort. How many of you are comfortable with being uncomfortable? 
How many of you are comfortable with being stretched? How many of you are comfortable with coming in to church and in, in your heart and in, in, in your minds, you're, you're asking God, like, okay, God, speak. God, is there someone that I can encourage today? Is there someone I need to go lay my hands on and pray over them, not knowing what their week was like? Right? If we're to, if we're to transition from the theory to the practice, there's this nice word called praxis. It's a, a taking theology and applying it, the application of, of theology, fleshing it out in real life called praxis. I love that. We need to pra practice the praxis. We need to flesh out what we believe. So as this pertains to the spiritual gifts, let me just highlight one. 1 Corinthians 13, 9, it says, For we know in part, we prophesy in part. How many of you would like the gift of prophecy that is so clear that you know 100% what God's saying, when He's saying it, who He's saying it to? How many of you know in practice, the labor, the grind of that is much harder? And it's like me asking God, what do you want me to speak? And I'm like, crickets. Okay, Lord, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to... Call Jim and say, I got nothing, Jim. Figure it out. You preach. Before the Lord, I'm like, God, I've been asked to preach. I'm going to preach. And you're going to speak. No matter how long it takes for me to wait. So most prophecy is human words reporting something that God brings to mind. How many of you know that? Most prophecy is human words reporting something that God brings to mind. That is a quote by Wayne Grudem. We're reporting what God brings to our mind. And we're positioning our mind and our emotions in that space of saying, God, speak. Do you have something to release? Do you have something, something for the body that's not just for me? Because again, when we talk about hearing God's voice, we're often just talking about us. I want to hear God's voice for me. I want to know what to do with my finances, and I want to know what to do with my marriage, and I want to know what to do with this situation. But when we're talking about hearing God's voice, it's bigger. We need to hear God's voice for the flow of God between each other, for, for something outside of ourselves. So Acts 22, 7 through 9, it says, I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are, you, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who are with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who is speaking. Did you catch that? He fell to the ground. The, the voice was so thunderous. He fell to the ground, and Jesus himself was speaking. And then it says, all those who were with him, they like saw a light, but they didn't understand the voice. So how many of you know, even when God is actively moving, it doesn't necessarily mean that I will be able to personally discern it, which is what I said two months ago when I said we need corporate discernment. 
God could be moving in a room, and I can't just be so myopically thinking about myself that I'm trying to figure out, like, God, are you here? Are you moving? Sometimes I have to embrace what God is doing outside of me and say yes to it. Even if my own emotions aren't being stirred, even if my own, my own spirit isn't tangibly being awakened to it. And then we see in John 12, 28 through 30, it says, Father, glorify your name. And then it says, then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. So here we see this multiple things happening. This voice coming from heaven, the crowd standing there and thinking, ah, it's just thunder. God's not saying anything. Don't be hyper-religious. God didn't say a word. It's just thunder. And other people are like, I think it might have been an angel. And then God's saying, I spoke not for my sake, but for yours. So how important is it then for us to, number one, open our ears to hear and discern, and number two, embrace the corporate testimony. I think we need both. We need ourselves to have our ears open and say, God, I want to participate in the ministry of the body. Not just sit here and enjoy a sermon, but I want to participate in the, in the flowing of God from one to another. In order to do that, it's going to, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to take labor and we've got to be able to open our ears and say, God, what, what are you saying? And then we also need to be able to humbly embrace the corporate testimony, which means sometimes God is moving and speaking, and I'm not a part of it. And I have to be okay with that. Because I can, in pride, quench what's happening over there because I didn't discern it. It was just thunder. To my ears, it was just thunder. But to their ears, an angel was speaking. Are you, are you catching me? What God is doing, oftentimes, even when he's showing up to a group, a large group, there's going to be difference of opinion on what God has said and what he has done. And I have to be humble enough, number one, to say, God, I want to be a part of it. Speak to me. Move on my heart, too. And then number two, I've got to be humble enough to say, God, if you're thundering, God, let not my contribution to the conversation be, I was just thunder. God's not speaking. He's not moving. When he legitimately was speaking. He legitimately was speaking, and there were those that came to the conclusion that God was, that it wasn't God. Just a little thunder and lightning. It's not God. So when we're talking about learning to discern his voice, it's bigger than just our little world. It, 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 it has a lot, I mean, it has to do with right and wrong doctrine. It has, to do with, it has to do with discerning what God is doing outside of the, where I'm exactly sitting and being able to, to acknowledge the corporate testimony and say, yes, God, thank you that you moved over there. And thank you that you moved over there. And not be able to just 
brush it off and say, ah, it wasn't God. There's these two verses that I see as, I don't know, I, I, they're, I look at them, to me they kind of parallel because of the language. And I remember stumbling upon these in Bible school, and I, they're just, there's something about these verses that's just, they grabbed my attention. Isaiah 41.20, it says that they may see and recognize and consider and gain insight as well that the hand of the Lord has done this. And the Holy One of Israel has created it. I don't have time to get into the context. For this sake, the context is not needed. And then I'm going to read a second verse. Isaiah 43.10, it says, You are my witness, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed and there will be none after me. There's this, there's this repetition of phrasing using different words that has just really struck out to me. Like, I, like this is what I want my heart posture to be before God. Saying, God, let me see. Open my eyes. Let me see. Let me recognize. I can see something and not recognize it. I can see something and not care what I just saw. Let me see. Let me recognize. Then it says, let me consider. You can recognize something and still walk away. Let me consider. And then it says, gain insight. You're not going to gain insight without first seeing it, recognizing it, and considering it. And then the insight comes. So this should be our heart before God, saying, God, as you are teaching us to flesh out what we believe, as you are teaching us to walk out body ministry, as you are teaching us to learn to discern, God, what gifts have you given me? What, 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 what is the thing that you've deposited in me that you put in me for someone else? And as we're learning to discern that, we, we can have this be our prayer. God, I want to see it. I want to recognize what it is. I want to consider. I want to ponder it. I want to meditate on it. I want to understand. And then I want to gain insight. And then Isaiah 43 so that you may know, believe me, and understand. To know, believe, and understand. We need that. But how many of you know that takes effort? You don't just wake up one morning and suddenly you've gained insight. Right? Paul, Paul is saying this to Timothy, like, exercise the gift, don't neglect it, stir it up, Put it back on the fire. Engage with it. Labor with it. Take pains. Take effort to 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 make it give birth. To, to to make it become something, right? And what is the end goal? The end goal is your salvation and the salvation of others. 
In other words, the end goal of the gift that God has given you, the diversity of gifts, whatever that is that God has put inside of you, the end goal of that is not just for you to feel better about yourself that you belong. I don't belong to God because he gave me a gift of teaching and preaching. My belonging is something completely different. But he gives us gifts so that the body is ministered to. And in this case, it just happens to be, I don't know, I used to stutter, I used to be super insecure, and somehow God did this. That's, that's, his, that's his, his working, not mine. So the gift of the God giving us gifts, God releasing the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit is not for me, it's, it's, it's not for you, it's for us. But the transition into that takes labor, and it takes discipline, and it takes love. And it takes being willing to be instructed, and it takes being willing to open our ears and hear God speak and learn to discern that voice. We want to know and believe God to understand that it's He, right, that it's His work. It says we, that we may see, recognize, consider, and gain insight that the hand of the Lord has done this. I mean, it's the same thing. Same thing as the thunder. It takes effort to discern what God is doing and saying. It's going to take practice. It's going to take effort. It's going to take labor. It's going to take not just the labor of seeking power, right? It says that God has given us a spirit of not just power, but of love. He's given us a spirit of a sound mind. He's given us more than just power. We need instruction. We need love. We need, we need patience. We need perseverance to be able to flesh this out and have it be something that's fruitful. And that's the aim. We labor, not just for our own selves, but we labor outside of ourselves for others. And we need the voice of God to do that. We need God to awaken. We need to be able to see, to recognize, to consider, to gain insight. It is not just a one-step thing. It's not just a, you had someone lay hands on you and now you have this infallible gift. It takes effort. Effort to exercise. Effort to be corrected. Effort to, to be stretched. Effort to flesh it out. But what is it unto? This isn't a downer message saying how much effort it takes. It's unto the building up of the body corporately, right? Julianne's talking about the corporate body that's bigger than us. We, will be, we, we, we won't just be a healthier church if we learn how to ourselves participate in the movement of God and in the discernment of God of what he's doing. But we will also be of greater health and benefit to the broader body, Right? Because it's one thing if you go to, if you, you know, you walk around, you meet with people, and you're like, man, you know, I'm suffering. My church is suffering. Help. Pray for me. Sometimes we need to do that. But we also want to mature to a point where we've exercised and we've labored. We've gained insight. We've gained discernment so that then we can then be that help to someone else 
even if they're outside this church, even if they're in a different body. So, amen. So, Craig, I invite you to come up. So, if, it is, if, 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 it's, if it's in your heart to say, God, I want to know what you've called me to, what gifts you've given me, how you want me to, to be active in blessing others outside of myself. Like, if, if, if that's something that's in your heart, you want clarity on that. Or you feel like you know the gifts God's given you, but you need it to be re-sparked. Then I would just invite you guys to, to come forward um, to really just declare before God, like, God, you give me a gift, or I, or I don't know what gift you've given me, and I, need, and I would like to know. And God, awaken me. Teach me. Give me the grace to go through the labor. Because I, I, I can't just wake up and be an all-star football player. Even if I got trained, I still don't think I could be an all-star football player, but that's beside the point. So I just invite you to stand. share something of practically what this would look like because this happened last week um, I was kneeling down in worship and all of a sudden Yvonne came over to me, wrapped her arms around me and began praying in the spirit and instantly I felt the presence of God, I began crying because she felt from the Lord to pray for me and she was obedient and she came over and then she interpreted what the prayer was and it was something that I needed and when we're talking about body ministry and hearing the voice of God, we want to be, there's so many hearts in this room and all of us have different things we're in need of, or, or we might be in a good place. We might be in a difficult place, but we want to be a body that is sensitive to the spirit and obedient to, if I feel the Lord is putting on my heart to go pray for someone that I'm going to do it because you don't know what he's going to do. Yvonne was obedient last week and it was a massive blessing to me. So thank you, Yvonne, for being obedient in that. And so you might also respond to this saying like, God, yeah, I want to I be able to be sensitive to that. I want to be more sensitive to that of like, God, use me to be a blessing in this body. To actually believe that you might put someone on my heart that's in this room and I'm going to go over and release whatever it is that I think that you're putting in my heart for that person. We need one another, you guys. And the Holy Spirit knows each one of us in here and wants to use us to build up and edify and bless the body. Because we're here with one another, for one another, until the day that he returns. So I just wanted to add that testimony and give like a practical of what it can look like. All right, if anyone wants prayer, feel free to come up. And if you don't want prayer, Maybe you want to pray for someone next to you. Maybe lay hands on someone next to you. Anyone? Anyone be bold enough to stretch out your hands? Maybe move a chair or two or three. 
Lay hands on someone next to you and pray for them. Because God, we believe. God, we believe that we need the corporate exhortation, God, but we also need the body ministry. So Lord, we pray that you would spark in us a hunger and a desire to release life to one another. God, in Jesus' name. God, thank you for your movement. God, throughout this room and in our hearts. Bless what you're doing, God. God, the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. We say yes to your still small voice. We say yes to your presence, God. give you space. Say that we love you. Be 
God. God, we thank you for today. Lord, we pray that you would bless each family of Boonville, those that are here, those that were not here this week. God, we pray that you would release your presence into our midst. God, that you would strengthen and encourage one another. In Jesus' name. Next week, I will be continuing this, talking about hindrances to hearing God's voice. Um, so come back, and we will finish. Thank you. Have a good week. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 